thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to Football Digest Women's World Cup show. We are deep into the tournament now. I am joined at the moment by Jack, who is out in Sydney. He's just got back from Stadium Australia, where Serena Wiegmann and Mary Earps have been holding their press conference ahead of tomorrow's quarterfinal clash against Colombia. Um, Megan, we are also joined by, and we will also soon be joined by Hannah as well. Um, Hello to you both. It has been quite a day already at the time of recording we've had two semi-finalists confirmed even though it feels like Spain being confirmed happened about three weeks ago it was so early in the morning um we've just had Sweden confirmed as well we've had Serena and Mary in front of the media and now we look ahead to England it's going to be a really busy show um, Jack, hello. Talk us through what it was like at Stadium Australia. Uh, cause it's the first time that Serena has faced the media as well since the Lauren James ban was confirmed by FIFA. So for those that don't know, she has been given a two-match ban rather than the three-match ban that I think everybody thought she was going to have. Um, talk us through what the mood was like and, and what was said. Yeah, hi Laura. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I from being at open training as well earlier today, I felt like there was a bit of a, a sort of, yeah, a bit more of a fizz in the England camp, a bit more optimism, just just from you know bit, being around the players. But um, yeah, the press conference, Serena Vigman was a bit more sort of not not cagey as such, but yeah, she she obviously doesn't like to talk about individuals anyway. She doesn't want to big up the fact that that England will have to do it without Lauren James tomorrow, and and she's just said you know it's a, we've we've had to going to other games in this tournament with a, a squad available squad of just 22 players as opposed to the 23 we'll have to do it again you know and it's it's a chance for someone else to step up um in in her place so yeah she she didn't give too much away i, I did ask mary Earps if it had sort of given a, a boost to the players that that news because it sort of it, i know it was daytime for you guys but overnight it sort of dropped overnight here in australia it was quite late on um so i just wondered if it had given sort of a boost to the the England players around the team hotel, but but she was very straight and just said we've we're, we're honestly not discussing it. We've we've not discussed it much today, just because we've got a game to win. They've got a, they've got a job to do first, and obviously England still have to get. You know, it is. I think it's good news from from an England point of view. Obviously, that I think you're right, Laura. We were all expecting three games uh, suspension. Certainly, most people were on on Monday night after the game against Nigeria. But yeah, two two games. I think that's a positive. Uh, but England have still got to get through two games just before Lauren James can even can even get back into contention. But I, I still think there's they need to be looking at this as a positive because the, it it can't be good for the camp, good for the environment if one of your best players she presumably she would have flown home on her own, which wouldn't have been nice for her either. Um, if a tournament was over out for the three games, so yeah, I know it's it, still a long way to go before we see her back on the pitch who knows if it'll be in the final I mean sure, sure all England fans will be, be hoping for for that but uh, um, yeah I think it's it still must have given the, the camp a little bit of a lift and that's it Megan isn't it we still do have those games to actually get through and we are joined by Hannah now who hopefully can hear us yes I can now that's so good 
<laughs> Amazing. Um, so, Megan, we've still got these games to get through. To even, even if Lauren doesn't play in the final, she might still play in that third place playoff game. But we still have tomorrow to get through, let alone the semis or that that other place. Talk us through it from what you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a case of just not counting your chickens, whatever that cliche is. Like, it's it's fantastic that Lauren potentially might come in for the final. It definitely sets up a narrative that is, like, going to be really dramatic, especially if she comes in, she starts, she plays any sort of role, watch her come off the bench and go and score a worldie and win it, like, after this. And, you know, that's probably what will happen if that is the case. But England still have a heck of a challenge in front of them. Um and they really can't underestimate anyone here. This tournament has tossed up so many, like so many times, all of my expectations have been obliterated. Um, even today, Japan, I just thought that they would sweep through Sweden without really even like a pause. And yet that definitely didn't happen. So Nigeria, I all like anything can happen here. Like England really do need to focus on Colombia tomorrow. Um, and without Lauren James, it is actually pretty significant. England have only scored one goal without Lauren James involved, like from not from like a penalty or set piece, like that's a huge deal. Lauren has really been like such a creative fulcrum in that team. And without her on the pitch, something has to change. A player needs to step up. For me personally, I think that's Chloe Kelly. Um, She stepped up in the penalties. She's always a player that steps up. I think her creative ability and her, her acumen on the pitch is really great. So I think she could potentially be that person for England. But yeah, England have a heck of a challenge in front of them. It's not as difficult as the other side, just on paper when you see it. I think England have a slightly nicer route to the final. Um, I say that, you know, kind of with caveats of this tournament has tossed up so many upsets and shocks, like things can happen. But yeah, I think for in- from England's perspective, they still have two big games ahead of them, but they should be able to reach that final. It's just about actually clicking and, you know, against Nigeria, they didn't. And that needs to get behind them pretty pronto. Yeah, I completely agree in that I think Chloe Kelly will be the one to step up. She loves a big occasion. We will get onto it a little bit more in a little while. Um, but it, it does seem that she's the right fit. Um, Hannah, just back on on Lauren James, with that two-match ban, it does very much seem like if we do get through, big if, like Megan says, we need a disclaimer with everything in this tournament. It's crazy. Um, if we do get there, this is a real chance for Lauren to redeem herself because she started the tournament as a superstar. And do not get me wrong, her mistakes do not define her in that way, I don't think. She still obviously has that talent. It's just it's been blinded slightly by that really silly mistake. However, she then has the chance to go on and finish what she started, essentially, doesn't she? Quite an interesting one, but quite a difficult one as well because it's like, there is this redemption on the cards, which I think we would all absolutely love because I don't think anyone wants Lauren James's first World Cup to be remembered for that. And that was sort of what was going to happen. You know, we were saying in the last podcast that this World Cup for Lauren James would always be synonymous with that that sending off. But it, it's very much relying now on her teammates to actually get to the final obviously if we get through to the semis and maybe don't make the final then there is still the third place playoff as well so there is an opportunity that she'll play again but you want it to be in that final and 
it's up to England to make sure that they get there. And if they do, I would absolutely back her to come back with a point to prove, if if anything else. So, yeah, that's that's my views on it. But it's it's, it's up to the team and it's up to everyone else to to get it over the line. Now, Jack, as we look ahead to tomorrow, it is going to be super difficult. Mary Earps did say earlier that they do their homework, they do their research. Um, how were they looking in training? Because obviously, among everything else, you were at the open training as well um, at their base camp. What were things looking like? Hopeful? Were they looking good? Yeah, well, I mean, all, all 23 players trained, which obviously the the a basic point but it's really important we talk, we've talked so much about availability of, of players obviously minus Lauren I think it's great that everyone else will, will be available because I think if they you know we're forgetting there's only it feels a lot longer to me but, but it's only Monday This this they went 120 minutes against Nigeria half of that half an hour of that with 10 players like that's it'll be physically I think a real challenge to, to come back tomorrow particularly if they go the distance again they'll need everyone available you know We've seen how important substitutions are in tournament football these days. They can make a massive difference. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's like even if you were going with, say, for example, you've suggested Chloe Kelly as, as Lauren James' replacement, it's then, but then you're still looking at someone like Ella Toon potentially come off the bench. How desperate is she going to be to make an impact on this World Cup that she probably hasn't, she hasn't really, you know, done that to, to this point. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the, the fitness is key. They're all available. They, they look sharp. Um, and yeah, I think the, the, a very focused approach, which is is key, because at this point in the tournament, we've seen, as, you, as we've talked about, there's, there's been so many upsets already. That the, the, no, the, the way women's football is now, there aren't any bad teams getting to the quarterfinals at World Cups. They're, they're, all, they're all there for a reason. Like It sounds basic, but it, it's true. And England need to be very, very wary, I think, of, of that Columbia team tomorrow, because as we saw, particularly in the group stage, they can, they're, they're another team, I think, similar to Nigeria in that, They'll just hang in the fight. They just won't be put away easily. They'll stay in the game for as long as they can, uh, and use every sort of every trick in the book or every yeah, every, maximize everything to their absolute potential. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a difficult one. Hopefully, I'm, I'm not sure I can cope with another two hour epic um, sat up there in the stand. So I mean, I've gone those what it'll be like for for you guys watching on from home. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, we'll. we'll it's bound to be, isn't it? We're not going to get anything straightforward at this tournament, it feels like. I'm not sure any of us are going to cope if it goes again to extra time, let alone penalties. Um, just just on that, on the fitness then, then Jack, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go around. Who do you think is going to start? Because obviously... We, we don't know whether Risa will start on her own. Um, up top, will she be joined? Um, talk us through your thoughts. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because actually we uh, a group of us spoke to Alessia Russo last night at the team base and she she's sort of, I think, pretty relaxed about whether she plays up front on her own or plays in a two with Lauren Hem. Personally, I think she's looked far better in since England have gone with two up front and she's able to move out wide a bit more freely and, and yeah, link the play better. Um, than in those first two games where I felt she was just a little bit isolated and, and sort of trying to make too much happen on her own. Uh, I, it, it, if I was um, the manager, if I was Serena Vigma, I'd probably be looking at bringing in Katie Zellum into midfield and, and sort of going with a more stable base from midfield in terms of Kira Walsh and Katie Zellum and Georgia Stanway 
and then reverted to sort of the more of a four-three-three, which I think we did start the tournament with that system. Um, and and I can see Chloe Kelly and, and Lauren Hemp playing out wide uh, with Alessia Russo down the middle up front, which, yeah, to, uh, Alessia will have to have a, a better game than she did in those first two games. She she knows that. Um, and I think hopefully now she's got that goal against China. It's, it feels like her confidence has come back a little bit more. Chloe Kelly's obviously going to be flying after smashing home that penalty in the, on Monday. Um, Lauren Emps improved, I think, as the tournament's gone on. So yeah, that, that's what that's how I'd be looking at it. I just think if you keep the current system, it's like yeah, who's who's going to fill it? The the reason that that the change in system worked so well against China, I think, was because Lauren James was getting the ball on the half turn in those little pockets space, and and China didn't really have any answer or sort of way to pick her up. So I think without her, yeah, I'd be the fact it it could go the distance again. I would be looking at switching back to the the four three three, but she's obviously impossible to predict as we've as we know with Serena now. Megan, on being impossible to predict, I'm going to ask you to predict. Um, <laughs> how do you think that lineup sounds? Would you agree with Jack? Would you move it around a little bit? Um, because Alessia does need to to prove herself a little bit more, and I think all of the team have said that they they have kind of played under par, I guess from from what they're used to. Um, what changes do you want to see? Oh, I mean, I, I think Jack's probably right. Like 4-3-3 sounds pretty much spot on. I think doing the 3-5-2, like Jack said, it, it fits a Lauren James. And while Ella Toon is phenomenally talented, I don't think she's a like-for-like like swap for, for Lauren, unfortunately. So I don't think just switching her in is going to really do it. And I think with Chloe Kelly coming in, like that means you, you want her on that wing, you want her playing in that way. So... Yeah, I could see him doing that. I could see the 4-3-3. Um, I could also see Serena Wiegmann maybe just trying to stick with a system that did work so well against China. Um, but it, it really just depends. I think 4-3-3 is the one I'd like to see Chloe Kelly come in. I like Katie Zellum coming in as well. I think having that midfield like kind of just stability is really, really smart against Colombia because if you can just, I mean, coming from an American's perspective, having that midfield just solid and stable is what wins the game. So having that, I think, is going to be really positive for England. So I think bringing Katie Zellerman, who did phenomenally in the group stages when she did come on, bringing on Chloe Kelly, and also just shoring up maybe the side with Lucy Bronze, like making sure that right side isn't exploited because Linda Caicedo plays on Columbia's left. She's going to look to get behind Lucy Bronze. So that's, for me, like that is a really big part of England's game plan that they need to be looking at. And I think potentially that 4-3-3 might work better in their favour. Yeah, Hannah, we've seen some incredible things, haven't we, down that down that right wing for, um, for Colombia. I think as well, I just kind of want your view on those changes because Nigeria pretty much sussed us out, didn't they, in terms of I think that's where the frustration came from. Lauren James wasn't able to to turn in those pockets like she normally could with that freedom and she just got so frustrated. How do you think England are going to cope with Linda and the phenomenal talent that, that she is at such a young age as well? Like we've got it from our team, obviously she, Lauren James isn't playing, but we've got it, but now we're going to have it against us. I'm torn on it. I'm literally in two minds because as much as it sort of makes sense to go back to the 4-3-3, I just feel like it still then just throws up even more question marks about the defence because Jess Carter has done so incredibly well 
in that three, I think for England, she might have been possibly one of our players of the match against Nigeria. And it just kind of begs the question of, well, how do we then, you know, if we revert back to a normal four, do you stick Alex Greenwood at left back and then put Jess Carter in the middle again? Or do you put Greenwood in the middle and then fully stick Rachel Daly back at left back? It, it just, I'm not entirely sure. Um, so personally, I would have just thought maybe Ella Toom, I know she, as Meg said, she's not quite a like for like, but um, I thought maybe she probably could just slot back into that role um, to sort of keep the system and keep the consistency that we've had for the last couple of games now. Um, but yeah, as, as much as we want to think about our own Brett, we do have to to consider Linda Caicedo and what she'd prove. Um, and it, it does worry me a little bit with her going up against Lucy Bronze because I don't think Lucy Bronze has quite had her, her best tournament for England, if, if we're being completely honest. So um, that would definitely be an area they look to exploit. And I'm so thankful I'm not Serena Wiegmann and I have to figure out a plan to deal with that because um, I'm sort of sat here and I'm I'm stumped because if we focus too much on how we stop Colombia, I feel like we will lose an element of, of our attack and, and the threat that we could provide. So it's just about finding that balance, I think, and that is probably at this moment in time a very difficult task. So I don't envy Serena Beegman whatsoever. <laughs> I think as well, like with Colombia, just like a really quick one, two of the other players that we need to, that England need to look out for, I just said we, that was weird, um, that England need to look out for. Um, Catalina Uzme, she was obviously the goal scorer and the hero against Jamaica. But for, for Colombia, she's been their outright top goal scorer and she's attempted 66 passes and completed 38 of them ending in the final third. So that's more than any other Colombia player in the competition this year. Like she's done really, really well in terms of being that threat. And Ramirez, if anyone's gotten to watch her, she's a sensational player. And she's part of the reason that Linda Casado has had so much sort of glee over on the left-hand side. So two players to look out for. Linda Casado definitely grabs the headlines, but those two players, like Tobin Heath called out Ramirez in her recap show and was like, yeah, Ramirez, like you are top dog. And she definitely deserves a lot of high praise. And the, the only other one I would add to that as well, Megan, is obviously Venegas is now back in. It was the fullback who scored the winner against Germany, but also like the, the whole meltdown. I didn't get to watch all of the Jamaica type because we're doing um, England's overlap with the England media. But from what I saw, it's like the whole Columbia media was sort of having a, a mini meltdown about her not playing that game. And then she's now back in the fold for this one as well after suspension. So yeah, they'll they'll be inferior at their strongest with, with everyone available. I think we're now up to about four or five players, nearly the whole squad, nearly half the squad that we need to look out for. <laughs> um, Jack, did Serena kind of, I mean, she's obviously very coy anyway. She keeps her cards very close to her chest. Um, did she say anything off point about how they might actually tackle all of these players in the Colombian squad that are just going to be such a test for England? I mean... <laughs> With Serena, the short answer is probably no. She didn't give much away. However, I, I would say that she talks a lot about England playing their own game. And and to be fair, Mary, Mary Earp said it as well about we've got another gear to go to, which I think anyone who's watched England over the past sort of year and a half or ever since Serena's taken charge would accept that. They're going to have to play a lot better. They've not They've not played particularly well for, I'd say, you know, 
three three and a sort of quarter of these these four matches so far. So they're gonna have to they have to up the game, um, whatever they do. And I think when she talks about we we just need to focus on playing our game. I think that's a, it's a little hidden message for for that. I think that's you know England have, have have not been not not been in the flow in their attacking movements throughout this tournament. Often, how many times in that first half against Nigeria was it the last pass was over hit or not you know not playing it to the the the, the runner who was making you know the the correct the, the best run out of the options in front of a player. So that happened so many times, and it's like they just need they, they have to play a lot better or they'll get found out eventually. Um, and I think tomorrow is just, it's a bit do or die. It's like it either clicks now or it doesn't click in the tournament, really. Yeah, I think you're completely right. And fingers crossed it, it won't be a die situation. And we will click and we will go through. Um, and... To to preview the first semi-final, um, that will be on Tuesday morning, UK time at nine o'clock. We have found out today that it will be Spain and Sweden in that one. Um, how Japan, I mean, we watched that game this morning while the, the England media was taking place and I feel so devastated for Japan. I genuinely thought they were going to go all the way. However, with them now not going all the way, that's now all previous winners out of the World Cup and we're going to have a brand new name on the trophy. Um, Megan, I know you'll be disappointed for Japan because they have just been exceptional throughout this tournament, haven't they? Yeah, uh, for me, Japan were my favourites going into this next round, which is just proof that I should just never put bets on to anything. Um, they, they were great. I thought, you know, flexible, like tactically, they were so flexible and they were so unpredictable. Um, they they were so fluid and they were concise, like everything about them was clinical. And yet against Sweden, Sweden were so well prepared for Japan and, and Japan for the first time, this tournament looked just completely flappable, which, you know, testament to Sweden for being able to do that. They knew that they were going to have to be the more physical dominant side, but Japan genuinely like just looked so bereft of ideas until kind of the final 20 minutes, which tossed up a whole bunch of chaos. I mean, from the the free kick that hit not only the underside of the crossbar, but the post and then Musevic in goal and somehow still managed to avoid going over the line. I'm not sure what Sweden have done with that goal line, but there's some sort of witchcraft at play because it is impossible for that ball to go over, which is like, quite frankly, incredible. Um, but it's, 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 you know, it's devastating for Japan, but it's also further proof that this tournament, you don't have like an outright contender that is like, yes, absolutely. They're going to do this. Every team has managed to come up with some sort of tactical game plan or whatever it is to combat the best of the best. And for me personally, I think having a tournament being won by someone who hasn't won it previously is so befitting for this iteration of the women's world cup, simply because this one has proven to kind of just be the tournament that's going to upend all the the sort of like the established order of women's football on the international stage. So for a new sort of champion to emerge, I think it's it's poetically correct. So, you know, kudos to Sweden. I'm I'm really curious to see how they play against Spain because Spain looked really good. They looked to kind of get be getting into their final gear, um, especially after kind of like an underwhelming group stage performance. So yeah, that that 
first semifinal should be really fun. Just from an American's perspective, seeing Netherlands forward, is it Beertenstein? She said something about the USA sort of having big mouths and stuff, and then Netherlands go out. Um, she's she's kind of right. The USA did have a big mouth. It was Fox, though. I don't think the players really are responsible for that. But wow, talk about uh, some shout in Freude at its finest. So yeah, kudos to the Netherlands. I mean, I think Spain and Sweden is going to be an incredible semi-final. We have seen so much talent from both of them. Hannah, I know that we haven't even played our course final yet, but I just want to really, really quickly, because we don't have long left, which is not surprising seeing how much we've had to get through. Um, but just looking ahead for that Spain-Sweden match, who do you think could go through to that final? Do you think we could even predict that at this moment? I mean, also, I find it ridiculous that we're talking about the final um, in like two or three games. It's madness how quick this tournament has now gone. There's no point in predicting it, to be honest. Uh, just, it's a weird one because I, I just, I don't think anyone has actually like physically been at their best. Like Bar Japan, who have been consistent for pretty much the entire tournament, they've just been knocked out. But for everyone else, like France had a pretty dreadful, pretty slow start to the tournament, but they're fine in their group now. Diani has been, you know, in their last game was outstanding. Australia had a pretty iffy group stage as well. Obviously, they got beaten by Nigeria. They were looking at potentially going out and now here they are and they've got Sam Kerr back and they look an absolute threat again. Um, obviously, we've not been at our best this tournament. We had a pretty iffy group stage as well and an even iffier round of 16. So, it's, you know, even if we get through, people will still feel like they can get England and that there's a way to beat them. And obviously, Spain got beat by Japan. Sweden haven't, you know, even against the USA, they they obviously the USA were the better team and, and probably should have gone through, but Sweden somehow found, found a way, but they've not looked their best. So it's just so difficult to predict for that reason because it just depends on what version of that team turns up on the day. Like, so... In terms of Sweden, Spain, um, I think on paper you would say Spain, but ultimately you would have said on paper Japan. Um, so it, it's so difficult to predict, which as Meg was just saying there, it makes it even more exciting and, and even more exciting that, that we will have a new champion, who, whoever does win it. And of course, Jack, Hannah mentioned there that Sam Kerr is back. Obviously, we will play... If- England get through in the semi-finals. We will play either Australia or France. Having Sam Kerr back for Australia is absolutely insane. Um, Jack, I saw a couple of the media pictures and the sheer amount of press that were at the Matildas training. Um, talk us through what the vibe is like in Sydney and what that means, which is pretty obvious what it means for for Australia. But talk us through it. It's hard for me to articulate it, really. You just can't move for sort of Matilda movement at the moment. It's probably a better a better way of putting it, but it's just everywhere. You, you just hear it all the time, the hype for this game tomorrow. And I think, you know, for me, the cities I've experienced, there has been a World Cup buzz, you know, World Cup fever throughout. But I do think it's going to go on to another level tomorrow with this game, Australia, France. Brisbane, yeah, it's an abs- it's a magnificent stadium in Brisbane. I can't say enough. It's like it's just perfect for for these big big games, big events, and yeah, everyone everyone in Sydney who isn't watching uh, 
uh, the England quarterfinal will, I think, be going to the big fan parks that they've got now. They've got a real momentum behind them. Um, there's just an, an absolute buzz. Uh, it goes, and it's also, you're seeing it on the sort of the TV shows that aren't just the sports news shows. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's getting to that next level, I think, of, of Australian culture and even people that aren't football fans are now getting into this tournament. Obviously, yeah, there's, I think it's, a, I think it's possibly unhealthy, the obsession with Kerr's fitness. It's, it's getting, you know, borderline ridiculous. There was even a local paper I, I picked up a few days ago where, and even managed to get a, a drone shot above Australian training, just just purely to see Sam Kerr on an exercise bike training away from the rest of the team. That that's the level of you know it's it's I, I can't even think of what a comparison would be. I've, I've never experienced anything like this. And the fact that she is obviously fit enough to still play some part, she she managed to come off the bench in the last game. So yeah, we'll have, we'll have to wait and see. I don't, I'm pretty sure she won't start tomorrow. I still think that would be too risky because. You couldn't. You wouldn't be able to guarantee her playing 120 minutes if that one went the distance. Um, so I think we might see her from the bench again. But yeah, it's it's really cranking up a notch now, entering this sort of like the business end, the the meaty end of the knockout stages. It's yeah, it's really coming to the fore. This uh, this tournament, it's just swept swept throughout the public. I think to say that this tournament has got extremely spicy is probably something of an understatement. Okay, I'm really going to quick fire go around. Each of you, um, not just for an England prediction, who will go through, but also Australia, France as well. Jack, we'll start with you. Who do you think out of the both matches will be going through to the next semi-final? I think France will go through against Australia. Uh, I'm really torn on England, to be honest. I've got a quite a, I've quite a bad feeling about it, but I guess I've got to say England on penalties again, probably, after another nil-nil. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go Australia 2-1 um, just because of the same Kerr factor. Um, and I think I'm going to go Colombia uh, just just because every time I've gone for England. So I'm going to go with Colombia on this one. Um, Ramirez and, and Caicedo are going to be there at the death. I'm going to go Australia as well just because I feel like that home factor will will play a part in it. And I do think as good as France have been now that they're coming into form, you sort of just think back to their earlier performances and I, I think they can be got. And if you throw Sam Kerr into the equation as well, then who knows? But um, obviously I have I have to go England. I can't not. But like Jack, I do have a bit of a bad feeling about it. Um, but we proved that despite having our backs up against the wall against Nigeria we were still able to to claw our way over the line it's just whether or not we can have that same kind of luck again I don't know but I'll have to go England because I can't not so yeah I think I'm in full agreement there um with with you guys I think I'm gonna have to go England have to um Hannah like you say we have not been at our best we have scraped through, but we have still managed to get there if we can play an ounce of what we all know that we can play, then hopefully it will put on a really good show. Um and obviously Colombia have such an incredible talent on the pitch and their support off the pitch will really push them as well. Um, which is a little bit of what worries me um for England's perspective. And I'm also gonna go for Australia to um I think home soil that home support the roar that we heard when when Kerr came off the bench it was something just 
phenomenal. So I'm going to go for the next semi-final um, being England-Australia. Um, thank you all. We are 24 hours away. Um, if you are listening to this live, dead on 24 hours away. We've got an 11.30 a.m. kickoff in the UK for England versus Colombia. It is the quarterfinal. We'll see if England make it to the semi-final. Um, guys, thank you all so much for joining me. And thank you to everybody listening and watching. You can follow all of our socials, all of our progress, all of our updates, both from Australia with Jack, back at HQ, all over Mirror Online. <laughs>